Before we get into the episode, head on over to RighteousFelon.com for all your favorite beef jerky flavors. I'd recommend starting off with the whole shebang craft jerky gift bundle. The jerky is smoky and savory, spicy and sweet. All of your favorites, all in one variety pack. Use promo code OCSN, all lowercase, to get 15% off at checkout. Don't miss this great opportunity. Go to RighteousFelon.com today. All right, everyone, before I get started with the Ryan Callahan episode, I just got to give a quick shout out to everybody at the Old City Sports Network. If it weren't for you guys, none of this would be possible. Everybody in there, Jesse, Sam, Vince, Rachel, you guys have helped me so much over the past few months, you know, not even just trying to get Ryan Callahan, but to grow my my uh, my podcast and, you know, take me to a higher level and you know, I'm very thankful for you guys, thankful for everything, and thank you to all the listeners for all of your support uh, over this past season. I know the Rangers are facing a possible elimination, and hopefully we, we don't want to see that, but I'm very thankful for everybody's support uh, throughout the season. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for encouraging me to you know go after these guests like Weeksy, Callahan, all those guys. You know, um, I couldn't have done it without you guys. As for game six, we talked a little bit about it with Ryan Callahan. Uh, I won't spoil anything if you haven't if you haven't checked it out already. But I want to go on a little bit of a rant here. Let's go back to the beginning of the season. Rangers started off, you know, getting a lot of good chances. We know the narrative. We they had all those chances. They hit the post however many times. They couldn't get the puck to go in. Then they started struggling. Started creating making stupid turnovers and they started losing games and at some point the seat under Gerard Gallant got really hot and everybody thought that he was going to get fired before then I said that the Rangers were a championship caliber team and that we would see them come April competing for the playoffs and a possible Stanley Cup I am going to stick by that even now, even when they are on the brink, they are on their last strike, their last out, facing elimination against the New Jersey Devils in Game 6 at home at Madison Square Garden, I am not counting them out. I didn't count them out in the beginning of the season. And at the very last second, when all hopes seemed to be lost, on December 5th, they turned it around against the St. Louis Blues. I thought Gerard Gallant was going to be fired internally. This is me personally, not on the show. I thought he was going to be fired. I thought if the Rangers lost that game against the Blues, that he was going to be fired. But at the last possible second, they turned it around, and the Rangers have not looked back since. Now, we are at that point again, where it seems like all hope is lost. The situation is bleak, and I see a lot of people saying that this team is not built for the playoffs. They don't have enough north-south players. They made a mistake by adding Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko. That this this entire roster is not is not cut out to win a championship. And I ask you to take a look around at the rest of the league and look at their rosters. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look at the Colorado Avalanche. Look at the Boston Bruins. They have skilled players as well. It's not all north-south players. You cannot put Jimmy VZ in the top six. 
You cannot put Barkley Goudreau on the second line. You can't put Tyler Mott next to Mika Zibanejad. It does not work like that. It's not going to work. With this core of players, it's a dangerous team. But when you face a team like the Devils that are trapping it, they make one adjustment to the Rangers, and they start trapping it, that's when you start running into problems. So instead of you know buying into the east-west element of your game, buy into the north-south element. And the Rangers are a top-five team in both rush offense and four-check offense. So I don't believe for a second that this team is not built for to win because they've caused turnovers all damn season long. So why am I supposed to believe that this team is not built to win in the playoffs? They destroyed the Devils in the first two games by playing their game. Yeah, the 5v5 wasn't the one wasn't what got them their their goals, but it was their 5v5 that made it so dangerous for the Devils that forced them to take penalties that gave us our power plays so that we could score. Don't say that the Rangers suck at 5v5 because they don't. When they play their style of play that they need to play, they are one of the best teams, and I'm not counting them out for a second. I hope I'm I hope I'm not wrong. I hope I'm dead right and not dead wrong. And I hope the Rangers could force a game seven tonight. If I'm wrong, which I hope I'm not, this will be the most melted take in Ice Cold Takes history. And Johnny Lazarus's take from the very beginning of the season, when I said that was a melted take, may very well be the chilliest most frozen, ice-cold take in history. Let's get ready to go. Don't stop rooting for the Rangers, and I hope you enjoy the episode with Ryan Callahan. You're as cold as ice You're willing to sacrifice our love Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I am your host, Joey Meglio, and I have a special episode in store for everyone this week. Today, I am joined by a Rangers fan favorite and four-time Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award winner, the 26th captain in New York Rangers history, Ryan Callahan. Ryan, it is an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for joining. How are you? I'm doing good, Joey. Thanks for having me on. Um, you're persistent on Twitter, so I thought I'd hop on and and share some time with you. So it's uh, all good. I enjoyed it. I have a knack for that. I mean, uh, I, got, <laughs> I get creative with Photoshop here and there. And, uh, you know, some of the followers, they kind of chip into here and there with uh, with Weeksy. But I'm glad you're here. Uh, saw you covering the the game last night. I'll ask you about that. But, I mean, I got to I gotta start. Tell, this is not the first time I've, I've spoken to you face-to-face. I got I to gotta throw it back. I have a story yeah. here I got to share here. So in 2011, in January, the Rangers had a subscriber season ticket event, and um, we had um, we had some fans. Like you guys had some fans ask questions to the into the microphone, and after you're talking about your favorite reality shows like Toddlers and Tiaras and Jersey Shore <laughs> and and Real Housewives, um, I came up and I, me and my uncle, we, we got to ask questions and I asked you when the Rangers were going to win the cup. Yeah. Um, and you no, know, the whole place after that got kind of like started clapping saying, let's go Rangers and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll never forget that. And then afterwards, my uncle, um, who was since he's, he's passed away. So I do the show in, in honor of him. 
he asked you because of your love of country music yeah who you prefer toby keith or george Strait, and you yeah. said toby keith toby keith yeah i don't know if you remember that i i vaguely i vaguely do remember that and i'm, I'm sorry about your uncle's passing um but yeah i i, I do vaguely do remember that I, those those fan stuff we did with the rangers were the best those those q a's and mm-hmm. i mean so far you could see the passion from all the fans and, and as you said um you know, just hearing the "Let's Go Ranger" chance that that would break out randomly with questions and everything else. So uh, those those are fun days in New York. I I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, and like the the crew there that you guys had the team, it's so memorable. Like yeah. Dubinsky and Boyle, Prust, those guys. Like I always wonder, do you still keep in touch with them, or is is that bond forever? Yeah, we, I talk to those guys all the time. So, um, yeah, those guys you mentioned, obviously, Boiler and me played in Tampa together as well. Uh, so we, we we talk all the time. Me and Girardi, who played in Tampa as well together, we we are really close. Our families are close. We talk all the time. Um, you know, and now working for ESPN, when I'm on the road a little bit, I just saw McDonough in Nashville. We hung out a little bit. Um, they were playing Carolina, so Derek Stefan was in town. I went to dinner with him. Uh, we still we still chat all the time. Those I mean, those teams were we were so close. We grew up together. Right. I mean, a lot of us started in Hartford together. Me, Dubinsky, um, Girardi were in Hartford together. Then our first year up, Stahl came. So, we, you know, I'm still close with Mark Stahl. Um, you know, and it seemed like I don't know, we were just we were such a tight group. And and, you know, looking back now, almost 15 years later from when we started, we we're still as close as we were before. We still text each other. And those guys text me all the time when I'm on air telling me I said something stupid or I'm wearing something dumb or whatever it is. So um, we still bust each other's chops just like we did 15 years ago in the room. Yeah. And you know, the, it was a family, man. It was, it was such, it was such a, a treat to to be able to see you guys. Um, I, I actually recently went back and rewatched the HBO series. Um, oh yeah. You and the flyers. Man, that was that was intense. Like that was awesome. Like seeing both perspectives, like the Flyers locker, yeah. the dressing room, and the Rangers dressing room. And I mean, I always I always go back to him, but the guy that almost like the glue is like like Torts. Yeah. I, I always loved Tortorella, and um, I mean, when you guys work together on ESPN, you always mesh so well together from your playing days to when you guys were in studio together. Like, what was that relationship like with with Torts? You still keep in touch with him as well, I'm assuming. Yeah, I do. I, we still we still exchange text messages and, and things like that. But, um, you know, it, I didn't know what to expect when Torts was the coach and he came in. You know, you hear the veterans, the rumblings of, of he's a hard coach. He's going to be tough on us. Um, but, I, I mean, I didn't know him at all. I didn't really know his reputation, to be honest with you. And then uh, I, I owe a lot to Torts. He gave me an opportunity. He played me a ton. Uh, I realized really quickly under him that, if you worked hard, you played the right way, um, you know, and you, you stuck to the system that you were going to get ice time. Right. So uh, that's what I tried to do. Obviously he named me captain. And um, like I said, I just, I owe so much to him and, you know, his passion really bleeds through to the team. And I think we, I mean, we were an extension of him, right. They called us the black and blue shirts and the way we played and, you know, everybody bought in. We realized that, you know, we weren't the most skilled team. We didn't have all the superstars on our team, but um, we had good players obviously, but, we realized if we played a certain way that we were going to have success. And, you know, we, we tried to do that. And obviously that was towards coming in and, um, you know, changing our, our mindset and our, basically our identity, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, those were special years under him. Like I said, I, I owe him a lot. I still talk to him now. Um, it was fun to see him on the media side of things and 
still uh, still grouchy and cranky sometimes, you know, in the studio and, and yelling at some people within the studio and, and all joking and good fun, of course. But uh, but yeah, he's uh, I owe a lot to Torts for sure for for where he brought me and, and how much he taught me about, uh, you know, about playing both sides of the puck. Black and blue shirts. I love it. I bet the Rangers, the current Rangers could use some of that right now. Uh, we'll get into that for sure. But I mean, like with Torts, do you have any stories that you that you have that you could share that are PG for the audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, as you know, I mean, there's 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 plenty of stories with Torts. The list goes on with him. Um, you know, one of, I was one of my favorite ones. You know, is um, so me and Brad Richards and him and Richards were really close as well. So we we'd be together a lot, me and Richie. And sometimes we'd like to say things to Torts just to to get him going, and, and we knew it was going to get him going. Um, you know, so. Richie had like, you know, protein shakes and um, like vitamins and stuff in his stall, you know. And um, so Torts one day was going through and he saw all this stuff. And he's like, Richie, what is, what's all these potions you're taking? Why are you taking all this stuff? You don't need it, you know. So gave it to him a little bit. So fast forward like a week, me and Richie are sitting in the room by ourselves and Torts walks through. And I'm like, hey, Torts, Richie hasn't gotten rid of the potions yet. He's still taking all that stuff. I think it's clouding his head. So he snaps, he flips out, you know, Rich, get rid of that stuff out of your stall. You know, it's getting in your head. You don't need it. And then, uh, so we had a good laugh. And then we fast forward another couple of weeks later, same situation. We're sitting in the room, Torts walks through and, and he's like, Hey, Torts, did you know, Callie's, uh, baby is due right during playoffs. Right. So Torts just that stare didn't say anything. He looks at me, he goes, I missed the birth of both of my kids. And he walks out, he walks out <laughs> of the room and, me and Richie are just rolling on the ground laughing and dying. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, things like that. I, I remember that were just, just so funny. You get him going and he knows what we're doing. He's playing along too, you know, and that's one thing people don't realize about Torch too. He has this, you know, hard exterior shell that everybody sees in the media and everything else. But I mean, you couldn't meet a nicer guy. And, you know, even that story there saying, I missed the birth. Like he cared about family so much. You know what I mean? And care about the guys so much and, and what was happening away from the rink as well. So, um, yeah, it was, it was fun playing under. We had, we had some fun with him, though. He's easy to easy to push his buttons sometimes. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely a class act. It's just I always go back and watch like his media interviews. Like the one time in Columbus, someone's phone rang and he answered it for the yeah. reporter. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is John Tortorella, coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Rupper told me a story from practice about you guys shooting the puck along the boards, and uh, and, and that it freaked him out or whatever. And he yeah, he got yeah, it's, uh, it was easy to get going sometimes too. Guys, guys knew it and, and pushed his buttons a little bit, but uh, but yeah, he was. I mean, I love playing for him. It was awesome. And uh, speaking of speaking of practice, I mean, uh, I've always I've heard stories about like how Hank was in practice. You know, such a serious guy, such a competitive uh, guy, and Every, at all points, at all moments of when he's playing hockey, like on or off the ice. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about that? Like, what was it like? Did you ever score on him in practice? And what was his reaction? Yeah, I mean, did? so, I mean, that crew that we talked about with, like, Girardi, Stahl, Stapps, McDonough, like, we, we actually, we made practice pretty fun. Like, if one guy was struggling during practice, we, we'd cue on him, we'd, we'd watch him the whole time, we'd cheer when he'd mess up, you know, yell his name a ton. So we were always met always messing with each other constantly. And, and once you like, you started to have a bad practice, you knew everybody was watching too. Right. So you're like, come on, like, you know, every pass was coming you're like, don't bobble the pass. Don't miss passes. Cause guys are going to start cheering. So we used to do it to Hank too. Like if we saw Hank was letting in a few goals in practice and you could see he's starting to get frustrated. 
we'd be sitting in line and, you know, one of us would go down and score on him and then everybody would start banging the boards, you know, celebrating. And you could just see Hank steaming and getting madder and madder. And, you know, I, I, I actually sat next to, to Hanky in, in the practice rink is uh, right next to, to the right of me in the stalls. And, you know, it was after practice, same thing. We, we, you know, we were messing with him all practice. He was having a tough practice. He was snapping. And remember, I still remember he comes in, he goes, Callie, can I just come here and practice and not have to deal with all you guys chirping me the whole time? And so, he's, <laughs> so it was good though. He, he was fun. I mean, but that's what he is. He's a competitor, right? Like that's, that's how he is. There's no way he could ever turn it off. And, and it's probably what, what made him so good. You think Henrik will invite you on his podcast? You think you'll be a member of the, the club 30? I don't know. It sounds like he's got a lot of A-listers coming on that thing right now. So I might, uh, I might be on the second wave, maybe year three. Once, uh, three. <laughs> once Come on, don't sell yourself short. Sure. Yeah, once he gets all the celebrities done, maybe I'll be year three of the uh, the Hank podcast. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Great stories so far. I mean, uh, also like when you when you finish your playing career, going shifting from you know playing to ESPN, did yeah. you always know you wanted to do that, or was that just an opportunity that came up and you wanted to take it? Yeah, just an opportunity. I mean, if while I was playing, if someone said you're going to be in the media, I would have told them they're crazy. Like, no chance. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's no chance I'm going to be on that side of it. But um, the opportunity came actually when the World Cup was going on. I made the U.S. World Cup team um, and I had to have hip surgery. So I, I couldn't go to the tournament and the NHL network called and said, do you want to do you want to cover the World Cup? You know, come in for a couple of days and I was doing nothing else. I was just rehabbing my hip at the time. So I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll go in and sit on the desk and, and see how I like it. And I really enjoyed it. I had fun doing it. So um, at that point, I kind of in the back of my head, I, you know, at that moving forward, I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know, when I'm done playing, that'll be an option, you know, something me to jump into. And then, um, and then the year of my contract, I still was under contract, but I had to retire because of my back with Ottawa, the NHL network again called and said, you know, you want to come in for some shows and do it again. And at the time, again, I wasn't doing anything. So um, I said, yeah, you know, I'll come in. And I remember I still told him like, I have no idea if I'm going to like it. I'm going to no idea if I'm going to be terrible at this, but you know, I'll, I'll come in and I'll, I'll give it a shot. And you know, it's uh, it's been fun. I've, I, I, I watch the games constantly anyways. I like talking to hockey, um, you know, and I've, I've really enjoyed working for ESPN too. We've got a good group of guys there. We have fun, you know, in studio, we have fun. We're on the road doing games. So it's, uh, it's been a really good mix and, you know, I, I'm still learning, still trying to figure things out, but I've, I've enjoyed it. I think you're from your playing career, you have a lot of insight into how things are, are done. Like that first game one of the Oilers Kings, you guys, you Weeksy and, and Bucci Gross were, were really, really good. You guys, get a, like the chemistry there is it's so apparent even when like you're in studio whatever it is like the three of you guys mesh really well together i don't know if it's because of the chicken parm or yeah something right it's a chicken parm or something <laughs> yeah so that's part of it, right you, you got to be comfortable with the guys you're working with and, and work off each other and um you know i appreciate you saying that and i, I you, you can feel it when you're on set you know when when three guys that we literally it's when we're watching the game in studio it feels like me and my buddies are just chatting and watching the <laughs> game and, and seeing what's going on so it's uh it's been enjoyable yeah, and like Weeksy was your teammate too. You played with him for a little bit, yeah. right, with the Rangers. So, you know, did you know him very well, or was it like you're no, getting to know him better now that you you're working yeah, together? Yeah, better now for sure. Um, I mean, I was up and down that year a little bit, and you know, I, I knew him, but not like I do now, where we're together, you know, constantly working together. And I'd see him around the rink because he got into the TV stuff while I was still playing, so we we would chat then. But um, 
yeah, I've definitely got to know him better over the last couple of years. And he was at the NHL network when I was there as well. So um, he's awesome. I mean, he's such a great guy. He's actually, he's actually taught me a lot, a lot. And I've leaned on him a ton, you know, with the TV stuff, just little pointers here and there because he's, he's so good at it and he's been doing it for so long now. Yeah. He's one of the most like humble down to earth guys. Yes. It's, he's awesome. I, I love, I love Weeksy. The, the breaking news videos are incredible. I love it. it adds so much flavor to like the news, to the yeah. news world. I, I love it. I love it so much. You mentioned that, you know, you were that year that you were playing with Weeksy is like you were going up and down between the minors. And I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, we've talked a lot on this podcast. People have asked, you know, with the development of Lafreniere, Kako, and Rangers have another prospect coming up, Brennan Othman. You know, like, what did you learn from playing in the minors? And, you know, is it is is that where sh should everybody go there? Like, if you're not ready for the NHL, like, if you're kind of a tweener. I mean, in yeah. Lafreniere's case, first, first overall pick, it's kind of hard to say you have yeah. to go to Hartford or minor leagues, whatever you're going to go. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, what yeah. did you learn from, from playing in the minors? And how I mean, that impact your career? Yeah, I mean, you, you learn a ton, to be honest with you. And, you know, I, I think everybody's situation is different, as you mentioned. You know, if you're looking at the guys now, like Lafreniere, and, you know, when he was drafted, he, you know, he wasn't even old enough to go to the minors at that point, right? So, you know, where do you send them and, and things like that. But, I mean, for me personally, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to step into the NHL, you know, not even close coming out of junior hockey. Um, and at, when I went to the A, you kind of just learn how to, you learn how to be a pro. And it's a tough it, at the time it's changed a bit now, but at the time it was a tough league. Like you had to work. I mean, there were some guys down there, them, some journeymen that have been there forever. They, you know, the nickname is the jungle and then it's the jungle for a reason. You're playing three games and three nights. Um, you got to figure out how to produce. You got to figure out how to be a pro. You're living on your own for me for the first time. Um, so it's, it teaches you a lot about the pro game, I think, and prepares you with, I mean, the size of the players, obviously the speed of the game, um, just everything, you know, all around it, it really is kind of that, that feeding ground into, into the NHL and that next step. Um, you know, I, I know me personally, that was, I, I wasn't ready to step into the NHL at that point. So, um, that first year I spent in Hartford and getting called up and down a couple of times, and then I ended up playing the playoffs that year. And then even like. So my second year, um, you know, I played eight games. I hurt my knee. I came back. And I didn't have a point for like 24 games after that. And they sent me back to Hartford for, for 10 games. Even that, like to have that go back there and just get my confidence back, start playing again, playing power play time, uh, getting points, playing a ton, you know, that just, that revived me as well. Like, you know, that, so I think it's a, it's a good option for guys in certain situations if, you know what, they need a confidence boost that, you know, things are down conditioning, um, you know, or feeding, or you're just coming in the league to start out to, to learn how to play. I always try and figure out, I like to ask the question is like, when do you, when did you realize that you belonged in the NHL? Like, I know you, you played a couple games and then you had the, the knee issues and you went down, you came back up, but like, at what point did you, what was the moment that you realized you belonged? on the Rangers and that you're here to stay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there was one exact like moment I'm here, you know what I mean? I don't know if you ever really feel comfortable until you're there a couple of years, to be honest with you, at least, at least for me. Um, you know, I, I, I think I got a reality check because I'll tell you what, like that my first year pro, I got called up and down. Then I played the playoffs that year. I had a really good playoffs that year. We ended up losing to Buffalo in the second round. Um, you know, so then going into that next year, I thought I made, you know, I'm like, 
I belong like that. You know, I had a great playoffs. This is where I'm going to be. I belong. I hurt my knee then. And, you know, things go the other way. And once I got sent down, it, it kind of opened up my eyes. Like, you know what? You, you got to earn this. Like nothing's given to you here. Like everybody's trying to fight for jobs. Um, you know, everybody's coming to try to take your paycheck, take your spot. You got to work for it. So at that moment, I kind of, as I got sent down, um, funny story. I still remember I was, I got sent down. I was talking to my dad on the phone. I was driving from New York to Hartford, right? And chatting with him. And he's like, you know, some of the positive things are things can't get much worse, you know, go down to work. And literally, as he says that, a rock comes up, hits my windshield and spiders, spiders my windshield. And I saw, I literally <laughs> still remember, I go, well, dad, things, things got just a little bit worse. My windshield's cracked now. I just got to hit the rock in the windshield. But oh my God. But, uh, but we still laugh about that now. But, you know, I, I think at that moment, I, I made a choice where either I could go down, have the poor me salt think I belong up top or go down there and try to prove a point that I belong there. And, you know, I told myself once I get called back up, I'm not getting called back down again. You know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay there. Torts became coach too, as well. That helped me. I started to play more. So probably going into my third year pro is when I actually felt like, you know, I belonged and I could contribute, um, you know, when I was a part of that team. It seems like it's a, it's a common theme among some Rangers forwards that go through the minor league system. I'll give you as an example for sure. You know, you played a few years in Hartford and then you came up and you were one of the best Rangers forwards. Chris Kreider is another example. He had struggled, you know, going up and down the, the lineup. I, obviously, he came in during the 2012 playoff run. And then, I mean, 2013, again, he was in the playoffs. But, I mean, yeah. up and down throughout the minors in 2013-14 with Alan Vigneault. Yeah. He started up, he started down in, in, the, in Hartford and had to work his way back up. But now look at him. Yeah. And then same thing with Zuccarello and Filipino now. So, yep. I mean, it's a common theme amongst, I, amongst you guys. Yeah, I, I think, too, like the hardest thing for me about the NHL was consistency, right? You, you have to learn how to – it's so hard. Like you play 82 games, you get practices in between. You have to bring it every single day. And, and to have that consistency is the hardest thing for me – was the hardest thing for me to learn – and in being in the minors helped you with that, right? You, you learn that consistency of how you have to bring it every night. You might not feel your best every single night, but you got to play like, and you got to play well, and you might not feel great at practice the next day, but you, you got to work and people are going to recognize if you're working in practice or not. So, um, you know, people talk about being a pro. I think that's a big part of it is learning um, how to be consistent in, in your performance night in and night out in the NHL. Yeah, for, for sure. And I mean, I, I brought up Kreider and, I think it's really interesting that he's the one remaining Ranger technically yeah. from the, the years that you were playing. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that after all these years, you know, I mean, it has been what, 10 years, 10, 11 years since the 2012 run. Since right? the 2012, so, since the 2012 run. Yeah. So yeah. I was, uh, it's been eight years, I think since I've, I've, I've been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what was it like having him join the, that team in the middle of the, like the playoffs? It's kind of crazy. Like I knew nothing about them. You know, you're, you're so focused on your team and you don't really pay any attention to prospects or anything else coming up. Like you have no idea. And obviously there's rumble. He comes in and you hear and, and things like that. And then, um, I don't know, right away, you could just see that, you know, his size, his strength. I mean, he was a man. He came in, you know what I mean? Like he, you could tell physically that he was going to be fine. It just was a point is he going to mentally be able to step into a moment like this and, you know, perform. Um, and, and there's no question he did, right? And he came in right away and made an impact. Um, but I, I remember seeing him and you could tell he's going to be a good player. Like he was just a specimen. Like he just, 
you know, the side, he's got tree trunks for legs. He's just a beast. Like, uh, shoots the puck so hard, his speed, everything. You could, you could tell right away. As soon as I saw him, like, this kid's going to be a player. You know what I mean? And then to step in and playoffs and, ha- and play like he did, like he was unfazed that he was in the Stanley Cup playoffs, um, showed his maturity as well. So he, he continues to get better. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised by the year he put up last year as well, you know, the 50 goals and everything else. He, he's, uh, he continues to get better and obviously he's a, a huge part of that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Definitely one of the leaders on the Rangers. He was killing it through the first three games of, of the playoffs. Yep. And yep. he's established himself, as, his reputation is the net front presence, the screens, you know, all those deflections. And I wonder, did he take a page out of your book? Because that was your style of play. Yeah. <laughs> all your goals came. I mean, you had some nice deeks and dangles. I, I had I had a couple of highlight reels for you of, of you dangling some defenders, but I mean, a lot of your goals were scored at the front of the net. You think you took a page out of your book? I don't know. He seems to be tipping the puck a lot better than I did. I tell you what, I never put up fifty, but uh, <laughs> but you're right. I, I realized early on that that puck has to go to the net to go to go in, right? So I park myself there, get beat up a little bit, and, and get rewarded. And you know, sometimes it hit off you and go in. But uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's definitely established himself as. I'd put him top three net front guys in the NHL right now, just, you know, with his size, his strength. And now over the last couple of years, and it's through work, right? It's through learning. It's through off-season work of positioning yourself, using his body, using his leverage, and when to tip pucks and where to tip them. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fun to watch his growth. It, it definitely has. Yeah, I'm sure that w- that must have been interesting for you. Like you started – he came in as a rookie in the, in the locker room. Like, yeah. who's this guy? And then all of a sudden he's scoring goals in the playoffs, never played in the NHL before. And yeah, it was, it was definitely cool. Like, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to ask you, so like when you were, when you were named captain right before you were captain, Chris Drury, who's the current GM of the Rangers, yeah. which is crazy. I've never, never thought that would happen. You know, <laughs> he's doing a great job. He's doing awesome. great. He did a awesome good job. job. Yeah. Um, like, what did you learn from, from Chris Drury? Like, I'm sure you had to, he gave yeah. you some, he had to have rubbed off on you. In, in some I mean, way. Yeah, Drew kind of put me under his wing, to be honest with you. He, he taught me a lot. Um, me and him were kind of locked at the hip penalty killing together. Um, if you, if you remember that we were out there a ton together, penalty killing. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing I learned from Drew is, is just watching the way he carried himself um, day in and day out. He, he never was too high or too low emotionally, no matter what was going on with the team. He didn't speak up a ton, but when he spoke, it, it had weight to it, um, you know, and that's what I kind of tried to model myself as a captain was was after Drew. Uh, I had so much respect for his game and uh, any questions I had during the game or, you know, any part of the season, I, I would go to Drew. Uh, he was it, it was he meant a lot to my career. And obviously we played in the Olympics together, um, which was which was awesome as well. And um, now to see what he's doing, you know, as a GM and. I, it doesn't surprise me that he's in that spot. He's just so knowledgeable about hockey. You can tell he knows the game so well. His love, his passion for the game. And, um, you know, and, and he's built a hell of a team there in New York. I'll tell you that. He's, he's, done, a, he's done a great job. You know, even some of the trades he's made this year to, to try to put him over the hump. Um, you know, it's it's been impressive what he's done. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, you're hinting at like he was more of a lead by example. And for you, yeah, I think it was, sure. it was, it was, it was simple because your style of play is that like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to hit everybody. I'm going to block all these shots. I'm going to play good defense and I'm going to score some goals. Like that's yeah. uh that's a, and for like the team that you had, 
the players around you were all that same style. Obviously, you had Gabrick, who could shoot the puck, and uh, Richards, who could set up plays and yep, stuff. Yep. But you had, you still had Dubinsky, Boyle, Prust, Fedotenko, like those That's, guys yep. that could get yep. get dirty in in the corners and stuff like that. I mean, that that style of play though is had probably had so much like wear and tear on your body, you know, like. That, <laughs> How, yeah, how, did, did. how was that? Like, can you yeah. describe that? Can you explain yeah, to me how it, that all worked? Yeah, it definitely did. A lot of uh, a lot of broken bones, a lot of surgeries. Um, but I'll always say, I mean, like, you know, it's probably why my back is the way it is and why I had to retire. But, you know, that's the only way I could play. That's the only way I had success. Um, you know, I, I couldn't be a guy that went out there and stayed on the perimeter and, you know, tried to use just skill to, to get by. You know, I realized that, you know, when I was at my best was when I was hitting – in those dirty areas, blocking shots, doing things like that. And um, yeah, I mean, it sucked. I mean, rehab sucked, you know, it, it gets old, you know, you want to be on the ice with the guys and you want to be out there playing. And, you know, towards the end of my career, um, I had double hip surgery, I had a hip surgery in Tampa, came back for 18 games, had to get it revised, missed the rest of that year. And at that point I had a shoulder surgery in Tampa as well as it, it gets old. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're like, my body hurts. I don't want to rehab anymore. You know, this kind of sucks, you know, and, um, you know, and then obviously with my back, it got so bad that they couldn't do anything for it, but um, I don't take anything back. I'd still, if I could start again, I'd still play the same way. I'd still yeah. do the same thing. I mean, absolutely blessed to play as long as I did in the NHL, but uh, I, I'd be lying to you if it, you know, those injuries and those rehabs, you know, didn't suck. They did. They definitely did. I'd almost, I almost feel like some athletes would change their style of play, like on based on injuries. But yeah. you never did. Like, and it's not. I'm not saying like that's a bad thing that they're doing that. Like, I'll give a baseball example. Like Rick Ankiel was a, a pitcher, but he had some. He had a really bad injury, and he had to become an outfielder. So like, I don't, yeah. I don't blame him for doing that. But there's like. Now that like I'm hearing it from your perspective, it's almost like you have so much more of an appreciation for that style of play. Like, you know, guys like Girardi that give up yeah. their body, like that's that's yeah. crazy. I mean, like Dubinsky, I mean, he played in the league for a long time. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. And some good years with yeah. Columbus. His, his wrist ended up getting his wrist or hand ended up getting really bad too, to the point where he couldn't he couldn't go anymore. And um yeah, I mean, but but like I said, I mean that's that's what had gave me success. I wasn't, I couldn't change my game or I'd be out of the league <laughs> to mm -hmm. be honest with you. You know, like I couldn't do anything else but that. And then that last year in Tampa though, when I, I started to, I started to change my game a little bit that year in Tampa because my back was so bad. And even in practice, I would try to hold back and not go as hard as I could in practice because I didn't want to tweak something in my back. So towards the end of that year, the writing was on the wall. I could see it. I'm like, you know, I'm a shell of what I used to be with, with what I'm doing out here. Um, I was hoping I could get surgery and fix it and be back to normal. But obviously the doctors, um, you know, told me there's nothing they could do to fix it. So at that point I was like, I can't play with it. You know, I'm not playing like I can play. So mm -hmm. that was, that was definitely it. For sure. The, the, the style, again, I go back to it. The style of play dictated how you were as a captain of the Rangers and how you were as you were an alternate too for, for Tampa yeah. Bay too. I mean, uh, well, I'll never forget the the 2014-15 series. I mean, I was rooting for you to win the cup, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, after after we locked you out, yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, I know you're a Ranger fan, and 
I, I still, I love the Rangers to this day, but I, I don't know if there's a better feeling than winning game seven. And, you know, just <laughs> against the, the guys, all my buddies around that team. And I mean, we know, like I got traded and it wasn't uh, the happiest of goodbyes for everybody. And a lot of things happened that year, myself included organization um, pride was on the line. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um yeah, it was, a, it was a special moment for me in my career, and because I think that garden you got your you guys, the fans, meant so much to me, and you know to go full circle, and then not only by going to the Stanley Cup Finals, but then to make, have that win in that building in front, of, you know, like it was pretty special. Every person I talk to is, and I bring up your name, like I say, Callahan. They always like they always say, "Oh, he was the best." Like, "Oh, he was such <laughs> a great player." It's not even if I just mention it in passing, like, "Oh yeah, I was talking to Callahan," blah blah blah, and. He said this. Oh, I love Callahan. Blah, blah. Uh, like, you know what I mean? They always have to throw that in there for, for sure. I, mean, I appreciate it. Nothing, nothing like those New York fans, yeah. man. I, I do miss strolling out in that ice and in, in the garden and, you know, hearing the chants and, and everything. I mean, that's yeah. uh, especially the blue seats, you know, nothing, nothing like the true, the true blue seats. Those, it's, yeah, it's a special place. I was, I was talking to, to my uncle's uh, buddy yesterday when I went to, to the game. Yeah. Um, Fortunately, the Rangers lost, of course, but I mean, um, he was saying that if the Rangers somehow like this, this definitely wouldn't happen, of course. But if the Rangers in 2014 had you and St. Louis, <laughs> that's a cup. That's yeah. a cup. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, they have such a good team, too. Like, what did they lose to L.A.? Uh, three overtimes, was it? Yeah. Season? So they had the lead in in. I think all three of those games, yeah, they had, they had yeah. leads in all three of those. I mean, that, that was such a good team. I mean, Marty coming on to, I mean, he was so good. You know, he had that overtime winner against Montreal. Yeah. And I mean, I got nothing but respect for him, the way he played the game too. He played the game hard, you know, how, the amount of skill he had and obviously Hall of Famer. I've got to know him now, um, you know, since we're done, an unbelievable guy as well. So then I talked to my, you know, the old teammates, everybody loved having him in the room and, um, I, I wish I, I do. I wish I got a chance to play with him because he was uh, he was unbelievable. That would have been something. I mean, I love the fit with him in Montreal. I love that. I think yes, that's I agree. such a cool fit there. Like the relationship between him and Caulfield, two similar yeah. like styles, like players, the size aspect of it for sure. For sure, love yep. it, love it. Um, I have a, I have a couple questions, like some from fans that were they yeah. wanted to know they wanted to know your thoughts on Jacob Truba as captain. Like, what do you what do you think of him? I love it. I mean, you know, he plays with emotion. Um, I don't know what's happening in the room, so I can't, I'll, I'll never comment on that. Cause I, I don't know. Right. You know, I don't know how he is off the ice, but just seeing him on the ice, you can see he leads by example, kind of what we were talking about. Right. Um, then you go back to what many call the turning point of the season. You know, you feel like that big hit in against Chicago and throwing his helmet and everything else. And you can see his passion bleeds through into his play. You see how much he cares um seems like the guys respect him so uh he's a, definitely a guy I'd want on my team I'll tell you that you know and I don't want to play against him crossing that blue line you saw you could see him last night you know you could see a couple of times he's really close to laying some guys out he's looking for that big hit you know and uh but yeah I think he's you know from the outside looking in he looks like an unbelievable captain and well respected yeah you wouldn't consider him to be like a dirty player right I've, I've oh, heard some people yeah. no not at all I mean that conversation. you look at some of those hits they're all clean they're all clean. It's I love it. I mean, that's old school hockey right there, right? I that's uh every time I see one of those hits, it's smile. I'm glad it's not me getting hit and it's a smile on my face. I'm like, nice troops, that a boy, you know. So it's uh I don't look him as dirty. And the thing is about him too is 
he'll answer the bell. You know what I mean? Like if he throws a big hit or they don't like the way he's playing or the other team thinks he's dirty, he'll drop the gloves with you and he'll beat you up as well. So it's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a fun player to watch. Yeah, he's been doing it all season, pretty much his entire tenure with the Rangers. Yep. It's it's weird. Like, there's in my lifetime, I've only witnessed, what, like four captains? So Drury, you, uh, McDonough, and now yep. Truba. Like, yep. there was such a long gap in between, like, captains, between McDonough and, and Truba. Yeah. Like, that was... I respect was, it though. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I remember them doing that and I was asked like, you know, do they think they need a captain? And yes, I, I really do feel like you need a captain, but if you're not, you don't slap a C on somebody just to, so you had a captain, you know what I mean? If, and at that time, if they didn't feel like they knew who that guy was, then, then you don't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously they labeled Trouble as that guy eventually. And I, I think they made a great decision. Yeah. I, I agree with, I agree with you with what you're saying. You can't just give it to anybody. It's gotta be, it's gotta have meaning and value yeah. to it. Yep. And I mean, there was definitely some, some guys in there that are worthy of it, like Tabanajet or Kreider, yeah. even Panera that's, that's, maybe. That's, a, that's another thing I, I said is, you know, like people ask you like, cause I got to ask from Ranger fans as well. Who should, you know, who should be the captain? Who should be the captain? I'm like, listen, I'm not in that room. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like in, you could see what you want to see on the ice, but there's so much that goes behind behind scenes that we don't see. Right. And if you're not in that room, you don't know who the leader is. You don't know who's talking. You don't know who guys are following. You don't, you don't know that stuff. So I'd be like, I don't know. And no, none of us out here, media or anybody else should know either. Like only the guys in that room know, you know, who the leaders are and who deserves to be captain and things like that. So um, I think they made a great choice the way I'm looking at it. And you're right. There could be other guys as well. Cryer would be a great pick as well. Right. You know, I, I definitely thought it was going to be Truber or Kreider, and I don't think they could have went wrong with either of them. Um, so, yeah, it's been good. You have any cool stories or memories you can think of, like, as captain that you could share, like, on the yeah, ice? But, um, you know, when I got named captain, it was pretty, it was pretty funny. I don't know if you've heard this story or not before. I've told it before. But um, so was, I was in an offseason. I was in trade or not trade, uh, contract talks with, with the Rangers um, that summer. And it was me and Dubinsky were in contract talks. Things were going back and forth between us and, and Glenn Sather. Think we were going to arbitration or whatever. And Torts calls me, right? So Torts calls me and he's like, uh, so Callie, you know, this is, uh, they want to give you this much money. Is this whatever it was? He's like, will you take that? I'm like, no, Torts. I'm not, you know, I don't want to take that. And he goes, eh, I wouldn't take that much either. But anyways, I wanted to talk to you. He goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes I wanted to tell you something. I'm like, you know, let's go out Torts. He's like, you know, you better sign quickly because you're going to be captain next year. You know, and I was like, what? You know, so he, you know, blew me away. I remember standing in my bedroom right in front of my bed. I'll never forget where I was. Um, you know, and then me and him, you know, shared some words together about it and stuff that I'll keep private. But it was, uh, I'll, I'll never forget that moment. You know, there's a little bit of laughter at the start. And then he hit me with that. And I was like, holy cow. You know, I was called my agent right away. I'm like, we got to figure out a deal quickly here. Let's, let's figure this thing out. You know, <laughs> I could totally see towards saying it just like you, you laid it out. Yeah. Like, would you take this money? Yeah, anyways, I wouldn't take it anyway. Anyways, he goes, I wouldn't take that much either, but they want me to ask. All right. Uh, I got to... <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, and my my last set of questions is uh, concerning the uh, the Rangers versus Devils playoff yeah. series. I mean, I, I got to get your thoughts on 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 all that. I mean, you talked last night before we started recording. You, I was telling you that I saw what you said about you know the power play changes, moving Zibanejad yeah. out of the 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 left dot for that one timer. Uh, what else? What else do you think like the Rangers missed last night, or was it just that the Devils were outstanding, just so much better? Yeah, no, I, I don't, you know, I think the big, I mean, you have to give credit to the Devils. There's no question, right? They came in with a game plan. And I thought, <clears throat> I thought, especially the last two games, they Devils used their speed a lot more, their transition game a lot more. Um, but, you know, as I look at the Rangers, I, I think the shocking for me was game four. I'm going to be honest. You know, I, I thought they'd come out with a ton of emotion and lost game three on home ice after winning two in, you know, the Prudential Center come out game four. I thought like, these guys are going to come out flying tons of emotion, hitting everything. Like, and I didn't see that. And I, I was surprised by that. So I think credit the devils for some, you know, playing well, but at the same time, I'd like to see the Rangers just sustain some more pressure in the offensive zone, get some pucks in deep behind their D try to control some, you know, some ozone time. Um, not everything has to be through the neutral zone. You turn the puck over against the devils and it's going to be down your throat, right? Their transition game is so good. Um, you know, and, and one of the other things is, is, you got to get the top guys going, you know, it's, if you, if we sat here before the series started and said, we're going into game six, you know, Zabanajad and Panarin don't have any goals yet. You know, I don't, you're, you're probably thinking, wow, we're going to game six, right. You know, like you thought the series might be over at that point if those guys haven't even, you know, haven't produced yet. So that's, I guess that's good news. But on the flip side of that is that you got to get those guys going and that goes to the power play. What I was talking about, I'd like to see him on the left dot, you know, hitting his one-timer. They started the game like that in the first period. He had one good shot, um, you know, one good shot on that. And the other one, he had two shots. And the other one I think was blocked by maybe Marino had a good block on it. Um, and then the second period comes and they switch him out of that spot and put him back in the hole. And, you know, as I said to you before that we did this show is like, it's not so much even about him scoring. It's just get some more touches, get some shots on net. And it just starts, you know, you start to feel a puck and you start to get your confidence back. Right. And, and maybe that bleeds into five on five play as well. Um, but, but I don't know. I mean, it's, I had Rangers winning in seven, you know, that's, that's still alive. And that's the beauty of this. That's the beauty of this play, the playoff hockey though. There's ups and downs in a game. There's ups and downs in the middle of games in between games. And it's, it's how do you control those emotions and how do you, how do you get those emotions going again when you're down, you know? And I think right now for the Rangers, they've won two in Prudential Center. They should have no fear going back in there to try to win um, try, or try to win again. So it's, uh, 
it'll be interesting to see. But you know, I I, I was surprised last uh, last couple of games for sure. Yeah, the Devils had a lot of odd man rushes last night, and I they did. Yeah, a lot of people were talking. I heard a lot of people saying talking about how the Devils had twenty shots in the in the third period when yeah. the Rangers were down three nothing. Yeah, and well, the Rangers only had two. You know what happens to you, and you're down. You try to start forcing things, and that's where you know turnovers come into play. That's where odd man rushes come into play because you're, you're forcing. I mean, which is which is understandable, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to credit the Devils the way they played in the third, and then they shut it down. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, you know, you look at the lineups, and it's hard for me to think the Rangers don't win Game Six and get back in this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it almost seems like it's a like a mentality kind of like strategic way, like an approach that that's that's off. Like you mentioned that they have all these turnovers. They're throwing some passes that you know maybe maybe not to an open man. There maybe the lane is blocked, but they're still yeah, trying to yeah. do it like the east yeah. west. Is it that the Devils are just you know clogging up all the space on the ice? Is that was that their adjustment after game two? You no, know, you get outscored ten to two. Well, yeah, I mean obviously so, you're, you're you're tightening it up for sure. There's there's no question about that. And then on the flip side, I think if you're the Rangers, you have to realize when a play's there and a play's not there, right? Don't force it and be okay with you know, chipping it in and trying to go get it, live and live the fight another day. Um, you know, if you're going to really give that money out, man, rushes, you're not going to win the game. I don't care if, you know, who's in that. Shesterkin and Lundqvist together. You know, it's, it's just, it's too many, too many odd man rushes. Shesterkin played unbelievable last night and mm-hmm. some big saves and, you know, uh, Schmid too. I mean, the way that the rookie has come in for the devils and stepped in and it's played has been very, very impressive for me, but Test them, you know, throw everything you got at him. He's, he's, he's a young kid who's never been in the playoffs before. Um, you know, I'd like to see him pepper him a little bit more, get some traffic in there and you know, limit the turnovers for sure. But, uh, but yeah, try to get back to the way, you know, you do have to stir it in that. So open it up a little bit too. There's times where you could go, you know, take that extra risk, but it's got to be calculated. It definitely has to be. Mm-hmm. It seemed like there was also a level of frustration too with the Rangers last night. I mean, Shesterkin, being at the game, I saw Shesterkin kind of fling the puck up the ice. And did you notice that as well? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, that's human nature. Frustration's yeah. going to creep in, right? I mean, everybody wants to win. Everybody's trying to have success. And when things aren't going your way, you're, you're going to get frustrated. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no question um, about that. I, you know, I don't mind that at all as long as you channel it in the right direction. And, uh, you know, that's what they have to do. Yeah, for, for sure. I, what's your predict? If you have to lay out a prediction for game six, what's the final score of that one? Final score game six. I think Shesterkin's going to stand on his head. He's going to give up one. And then we're going to go three, one Rangers. No, four one Rangers with uh with an empty netter. There's Ryan Callahan's ice. There it is. Mark it down. Delete it if it doesn't happen, but if it happens, replay it. <laughs> that's that's your ice cold take of the week. <laughs> I like four, it. Four one four one Rangers. Uh that's that's a that's a that's a tall order. Rangers have only scored twice in the past three games. We're gonna open up. They're due. They're due, yeah, right? They, yeah. They are due. They are due. I mean, I've seen it happen before. I've seen it happen. I mean, this is this team can score. There's not, you know what I mean? I'm not worried about this team. They can score. Yeah. You know, like obviously they haven't last couple of games, but I mean, you look at, at that lineup, they can score. Uh I had some I had some people like sarcastically, I like jokingly ask, like after after I had tried finding like the clip of you talking about the Rangers during intermission. Yeah, yeah. 
And some people were saying, ask him if you should coach the Rangers, if he will coach the Rangers. Ask him if he'll coach the Rangers. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about that, but I mean, would you ever consider coaching? It doesn't have to be the Rangers, but an yeah, NHL yeah. team. I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. Say that. I'd like to be back in the fight. I'm not going to lie to you. I'd like to, I'd like to have some skin in the game and I do miss the competitive side of things. I definitely do, but um, I'm happy right now. If, See where things go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, man, that's that would be cool to see behind the Rangers bench. Though I got, I, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. As a fan, I would, I would, I would love yeah. to see that. It's yeah. just like, it's just like I'm a huge Mets fan as well. It's just like it. I would love to see David Wright back in the in the the Mets like clubhouse as a bench coach. Yeah, like yeah, you know, for sure. Just yep. that aspect of having one of your favorite athletes come come back and you know coach the team that you're still rooting for. Um, before I let you go, you gotta you gotta tell Greg Wyshynski if the Rangers lose the, or win this series, he's got to do the dance and Larry dance. I'll tell him. Yeah, I will. Because he 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 likes to, he likes to pick on Rangers fans. I, I know, I know. He's a great Doesn't writer. He? He's great. Yeah, he's he's a huge Devils fan. I know Wyshynski. Oh, I'm gonna have to Devils. get a hold of him. Yeah. Uh, yeah we, <laughs> have, can't have that. I mean, I'm, I'm battling enough with PK Subban in studio about the Devils and the Rangers, so. I'll have, to add, I'll have to add Wyshynski to my list. Where's your Where's your Ric Flair outfit? Yeah, I don't have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that was That was crazy. I, I love the I love the fl- the the dynamic with with Subban and Subban and Messier. Is, I know it's, it's, it's good, so cool. <laughs> it's awesome. I know they've done a they've done a great job. And yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't know Subban at all before I started working with him. He's been awesome. We've had a lot of fun together. I enjoy being in studio with them. Um, yeah, but tons of laughs. I'll tell you that it's a good yeah. time. Terrific insight. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you doing this with me. Uh, I, man, this is this is awesome, unbelievable. Uh, you're doing a great job at ESPN. Keep doing what you're doing. I love it. Thanks, Joey. I appreciate it, and uh, it's fun being on. Hey, Rangers fans! Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all Closing next time. week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.